0: It's good to be with you all on the first Sunday of 2021 to imagine your faces as you gather in ones, twos, threes or larger communities over America, let alone the world. A vital life-giving part of community is being vulnerable with each other, sharing how things are for us, were for us last year, the good and the not so good. And the reading today is perhaps a surprising peek into Paul's vulnerabilities sharing with one of his communities, writing to Timothy. Actually, I found it quite sad and painful to read, as our stories are, mine is at times, but the thread running through the letter is, the Lord stood with me. And God is with us, Emmanuel, in whatever 2021, whatever the winter brings. The reading is from Timothy 2, and the title Ronnie gave me today is, the winter is coming. Timothy Please come as soon as you can. Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark when you come, for he will be helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Titius to Ephesus. When you come, be sure to bring the coat I left with Carpus at Troas, Also, bring my books, and especially my papers. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm, but the Lord will judge him for what he has done. Be careful of him, for he fought against everything we said. The first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. Everyone abandoned me. May it not be counted against them, but the Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all the Gentiles to hear. And he rescued me from certain death. Yes, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil attack and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. i give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila and those living in the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth. And I left Trophimus sick at Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. Ebulus sends you greetings, and so do Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers and sisters. May the Lord be with your spirit, and may his grace be with all of you. Amen.
1: This is a song I've been asked to uh, sing for sometime now and uh, going to give it a try today. Uh, it seems appropriate for a new year and for the talk today. So here here's a go. So let me tell you a story today about a little boy. This little boy in this photograph, let's call him George. He was born in the years following World War II, a true baby boomer. He grew up on the hard scrabble Streets of New Jersey, his father worked the docks like some Springsteen or Bon Jovi song. And his mom came from money, we would say in the South, or at least her family once had money before the Great Depression and the war. They lost everything. So little George grew up hungry. He grew up wishing to be somewhere else. He grew up feeling he was destined to become more, more than another kid who would work the docks or die on those hard streets. But George couldn't escape New Jersey. Not as a child. So he turned inward. To his imagination. To fantasy. To long marvelous stories he would create in his own head. But how could he not do these things? He was reading even as a child. William Shakespeare. J.R.R. R. Tolkien. Mixing these literary greats with the comics of Stan Lee. And other science fiction writers. So, when he graduated from high school, he did escape New Jersey. He escaped to Chicago. It wasn't that far, and honestly, it wasn't that different, but he went to college, immersing himself deeper into the literature and fantasy, and he began writing himself. Short stories mostly, nothing that he could seem to get published. And upon completing his education, In the early 1970s, he found himself starving to death, trying to write and play chess for a living. And here is another picture of young George in all of his 1970s glory. So he took a job teaching in Dubuque, Iowa, at Clark University. He enjoyed it immensely, and he was there for a number of years until his best friend suddenly died, That friend, another young writer who was apparently healthy, collapsed one evening at his typewriter with a heart attack and was gone in a flash. And George, who was now in his 30s, was forced to a crossroad. Did he really want to teach? Did he really want to live in Dubuque? Was he still trapped in New Jersey, as it were? So at this crossroads, he quit his job and moved to New Mexico. He would return to his first love, to his work, to his passion. He would become a writer. He would become an author. And again, he nearly starved to death. By the mid 1980s, he was divorced, broke, and just about to get his real estate license and call an end to all of his dreams when an old friend invited him to Hollywood. He became, became a screenwriter for the return of The Twilight Zone. He found himself writing the script for a goofy show that my generation loved called Max Headroom. And when that all went to bust, he moved back to New Mexico, broke again, and dug in one more time to become a published author. And he started work not on short stories, but on a series of novels. And he called these novels A Song of Fire and Ice. It was weird. It was wonderful. Part fantasy, part Ivanhoe, part War of the Roses with Shakespeare and Tolkien and the Grateful Dead and Stan Lee thrown in for good measure. Now he was 50 and he would work on this series for the next 20 years. He is still working on this series. But in the course of that work, Hollywood came calling once again, HBO to be specific. They bought the rights to produce A Song of Fire and Ice, naming their production after the first book in George's series called Game of Thrones, HBO's most popular and most lucrative series in its 50-year history. Now, of course, little George from New Jersey is George R.R. Martin, the American Tolkien he is called. Today, he is 72 years old finally enjoying the fruits of his labor, and it was labor. It was uphill all the way, to quote the beautiful poem by Christina Rossetti, a few lines of her poem, Does the road wind uphill all the way? Yes, to the very end. Will the day's journey take the whole day long? From morning to night, my friend. And it was work for Martin, but it was worthy work. And not just because he ultimately got rich from it. It was worthy work because of the decision he made at 30. And remade and recommitted to every several years thereafter. Is this really what I want to be doing? Is this really where I need to be living? Is this really the life for me? And he always returned to New Mexico he lives today, and he always returned to that writing desk because he knew he had only one life, and the time was short to be who he felt called to be. And that is apropos for the end of one year and the beginning of another. For years when simple faith was young, I would return to the scripture passage you've heard read today. And I would use it as the text on the last Sunday of the year or the first Sunday of the year and issue the same challenge that Paul issued to his young apprentice, Timothy. And I am returning to that tradition today. Paul said to Timothy, get here before winter. Some of the last recorded words that the Apostle Paul ever put to paper. At the time, Paul was writing from the Mamertine prison in Rome, Italy. A dark black hole from which he makes this appeal. Paul's days are numbered. He has been convicted of sedition, as it were. And even if he is not immediately executed, he may not survive another harsh, cold winter in that prison. And he is saying to Timothy, get here now. Get here while it is still possible. Get here while you can still travel. Because time is short. A reminder of a metaphor that I have used often. Your life will pass like the seasons of the year. Each season will be roughly a period of some 20 to 25 years each. First, you have springtime. Life is new. Life is young, everything is just beginning, and your life is calling out to you, to your future, and calling you forward. You plant the seeds in that time that will grow and bloom, and eventually be harvested. And then comes the summer. The days are warm, the days are long, you have time to work, time to love time to play everything is growing sometimes productively sometimes in a weedy tangled mess you fight floods and droughts and good times and bad times but the weather is warm the days are good and then the third season of your life is autumn the great time of the harvest in your 40s 50s and stretching into your 60s you begin to reap what you have sown your children become adults and move toward the summer of their own lives Your career, your ideas about life reach their maturity. And when I first started using this analogy, I was somewhere in my summer. I'm now definitely in the autumn of my year. And finally, there is winter. The last 20, 25 years or so of life, there are still some crops to harvest. There are still a few seeds to plant, though not on the sprawling farm of life. You cultivate in little flower pots and hanging baskets. Your days are much shorter and colder. You cannot stop this movement. You cannot stop the seasons of your year. Like everyone, you are moving toward winter. Consequently, the question is not, how can I slow down time or how can I stop time? The question is, what am I doing with the time that I have left? Mark Twain said, 25 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things that you didn't do than by the things you did, and I think he's right. I return to George R. R. Martin. There is a single phrase repeated in his "Fire and Ice books and in the Game of Thrones" series more than any other. And if you are a fan of his work, you already know it. "Winter is coming." It's a word of warning, a word of vigilance, a reminder that the year marches on, the decades pile up, seasons change, sooner or later the summer fades, and so comes the cold. The funny thing is is that Martin came up with that line 30 years before he ever wrote it down or before it was ever uttered on HBO. He was in Chicago, a freshman in college, quote, The coldest winter was in Chicago, let me tell you about cold. There was so much snow that winter you couldn't see. It was all snow, all ice, all so very cold. It was like trenches during World War I, but these were trenches of ice. I remember walking through the trenches and the tunnels of ice, the wind blowing so you couldn't even see. It's an experience that never left me. And he used it as his inspiration, quoting him again, winter is coming, expresses the sentiment that there are always dark periods in each of our lives. And even if things are good now, we must always be ready for a dark period when it turns against us. But it also means that time moves along and we are all moving toward winter. Now back to Paul's appeal to Timothy. He was challenging him to do what he could do while he still had the opportunity to do it. The burden is on Timothy now because Timothy has time. What could Paul do in this prison? Not much. Scratch out a few lines on paper, say his prayers, go deep within his own soul. But Timothy had the ability to travel to gather up those few items that his old friend asked him to bring with him, Timothy could still act because winter had not yet come for him. Time is short. Change is inevitable. What you can do and enjoy today, you might not be able to do and enjoy tomorrow. Whatever it is you are putting off, you may put off for too long and not fulfill it. And no amount of negotiating or denying or crying or fighting can stop the unrelenting march of time. Whatever it is you must do, do it before your winter comes. Oh, this is just all so depressing. I don't like to talk about it. Do you know anyone like that? Who doesn't like to talk about time ebbing away? I know a few people like that i actually know a lot of people like that i know an entire society like that we don't age well we don't know how to die we don't know how to let go of our springtime our youth and move on to maturity and there do the things that we can still do while there is still time And if you close your eyes to time marching on and you deny the radically different seasons that come into your life, you will miss what God and what life has to teach you in these different seasons. We miss the moment and the time we have because we wish we were somewhere else. We wish we were still younger, or we wish we were older, or we wish we were in a different place. I'm not saying we should live like we're dying, although that's a great hook for a country song. I'm saying that we should live like we're living. Because when you live like you're dying, you get desperate. You get clingy. You clutch to things. But if you live like you're living, you are alive with the power of life itself. An old friend of mine, Walt DeNiro, from the Fanning Institute of the University of Georgia, would say it like this. May you be alive for as long as you live. That's what I'm talking about today. Forty years ago, Dan Millman wrote a book The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. I read it a long time ago. I don't frankly remember all of it, but I do remember the protagonist in the book. It was rather autobiographical. Dan himself. I remember that the book was a little weird to me when I was young. Dan is afraid of death. Dan is unable to find peace. He's incapable of finding the path for his life. And the spiritual guide comes alongside him over many years and shows him the way. And Dan ultimately talks about three questions that he learned to ask himself that gave him peace. He keeps these questions constantly in his mind. Here they are. Number one, where are you? Number two, who are you? And number three, what time is it? Where are you? The answer is here, wherever here may be. Who are you? You are this moment, this single day. What time is it? It is now. It is always now. Because that is all you have. C.S. Lewis said the same thing generations earlier. there is no other day. All days are present. This moment contains all moments. Ram Dass said, the next message you need is always right where you are, so be there, be here, be here now. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Henry David Thoreau, live in the present, launch yourself on every wave, find eternity in each moment. Jim Elliott, the martyred Christian missionary from a generation ago, said just before he took the trip that would take his life, wherever you are, be all there. And the current Dalai Lama says, there are only two days in the year that nothing can be done, yesterday and tomorrow. So today is the right day to love, to believe, to do, and mostly To live. Well, Ronnie, why are you quoting all those people that aren't Jesus or Paul? Because every spiritual tradition, every teacher with even a glint of enlightenment comes to the same conclusion each and every time. You have everything you need to enjoy this moment. You have everything you need for today. You are here. You are this moment. It is now. And that's all you have. When I was younger, I complained to a mentor of mine. I was frustrated where I was, frustrated by how my ministry was going back when I thought I had something to prove, I guess. And I said something like, you know, God just can't use me where I am, which is just about the most arrogant statement anybody could make, I think, that we know more than God. God just can't use me where I am. A mentor's name is, is Jether, Jether Cochran. And Jether recognized it for the bunk that it was. And he said to me, well, maybe not. But God certainly can't use you where you are not. And it was his gentle way of reminding me to do what I could do where I was in the time that I had while I was there. I will add that word of correction for all of us today and add to it only this, that God certainly can't use you where you are not, but God certainly cannot use you tomorrow either because you only have today. You only have now. And you must do what you can do. What today is still called today. Now, do I have a plan for you this morning? Three easy steps to make 2021 the greatest year of your life? No, I do not. I have no motivation to offer as if I could convince any of you to do something that I want you to do. But I hope that you find some inspiration in this, a reminder of sorts, that life is short, the days are unpredictable. And the guarantees are few. As Moses said in the Psalms, teach us how short our lives really are so that we can become wise. That's all I've tried to say today, to tell you what you already know. And with that, I'll conclude with a few words from Frederick beekner beautiful, tender soul who, thank God, has been given more than nine decades now to challenge and to encourage us. These are his words. The world is full of people who seem to have listened to the wrong voice and are now engaged in life work in which they find no pleasure or purpose and who run the risk of suddenly realizing someday that they have spent the only years that they're ever going to get doing something which could not matter any less to themselves. In John McQuann's novel, Point of No Return, for instance, after years of bucking for promotion and dedicating all his energies to a single goal, the character Charlie Gray finally gets to be vice president of the fancy little New York bank where he works. And then the terrible moment comes when he realizes that it is really not what he wanted after all. There's nothing moralistic or sentimental about this truth. It means for us simply that we must be careful with our lives for Christ's sake. Because it would seem that these are the only lives we are going to get in this puzzling and perilous world. And what we do with these lives matters. Now, everyone knows that. We need no one to tell it to us. Yet, in another way, perhaps we do always need to be told. Because there is always the temptation to believe that we have all the time in the world, whereas the truth of it is we do not. We have only a life, and the choice of how we are going to live it must be our own choice, not one that we let the world make for us. Marquand was right. There comes a point of no return, a point where we no longer have enough life left to go back and to start. All over again. So my prayer for you. And for this new year. Is this. That life. Is short my friends. And we haven't much time to gladden the hearts of those who travel with us. So let us be quick. To love. And make haste. To be kind. May the one who made us. Who loves us and whoever abides with us give us his peace today and for whatever days may come. In Christ's name.